the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Every time Jesus said, I am, in these I am statements, he was using parallel language to the way that God, Yahweh, identified himself in Exodus chapter 3. So in other words, every time Jesus was saying, I am, he was saying, I am God. I am God. That's what he was saying. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through John. This world is made up of temporary things, even those elements that are long-lasting. The rocks and land masses are briefly there in contrast to the eternal existence of God. This is a hard concept to wrap our minds around. We're stuck in this existence that Scripture refers to as a vapor. We're here one minute and gone the next. As Pastor Gary begins his series examining the concept of Jesus, the I Am, we'll try to get a grasp on Jesus' oneness with God and His eternal existence. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of John, chapter 8. As he begins his message, Jesus is the I Am. John chapter 8, in one of those rare times when Jesus traveled outside of the region of the Galilee, he took his disciples about 35 miles north past the Golan Heights into a pagan town called Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus used this pagan town as a backdrop to this question that he asked his disciples. He said to his disciples, who do men say that I am? In other words, what's the word on the street? What are people tweeting about me? What are they texting about me? And the disciples responded and said to Jesus, well, some say that you are Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets of old. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, well, who do you say that I am? And this is when Peter made that great confession of the faith and he said to Jesus, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Now, Jesus had asked his disciples what was the word on the street concerning his identity. When we get here to John chapter 8, Jesus is not asking what do other people think. He's going to tell us who he is. And 
through several chapters in the Gospel of John and only in the Gospel of John, Jesus makes seven I am statements that we might understand a little bit about who he is and how he relates to us and connects with us in our humanity. So I'm going to share these seven I am statements with you. In John's gospel, Jesus says, number one, I am the bread of life. He says, number two, I am the light of the world. Number three, he said, I am the door of the sheep. Number four, he said, I am the good shepherd. Number five, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Number six, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And number seven, he said, I am the true vine. Now, I've chosen this series here over the next several weeks, and we're going to unpack each of these I am statements one a week, because obviously we're living in very unusual times. These are very unpredictable times. These are very unstable times. And so it's important for us at times like these to really draw near to the one who is our confidence, the one who is our trust, the one who is reliable in all times and all seasons. And obviously that is Jesus. So I want us to just draw near to him and to understand him and who he says that he is. And through John's gospel, he makes these seven I am statements that help us to recognize and to learn better about who Jesus said that he is. Now, these I am statements are no ordinary statements. When Jesus makes these seven I am statements, and today, by the way, is just an introduction. We'll we'll get to each of these seven over the next seven weeks. But this is important to lay the foundation for this study. When Jesus makes these I am statements, he is attaching his words to an event, a specific event that happened in the Old Testament. Now, before we read from the Old Testament what that specific event is, I want us to read here from John chapter 8, if you have your Bibles open there now, and I'm going to start reading in verse 23 down through verse 30, and this is what it says. And he, that is Jesus, this is verse 23, John 8, 23, and he, Jesus, said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. And then he said to them, who are you? And Jesus said to them, rather then they said to him, who are you? And Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. And then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Now I want you to notice with me, if you have your Bibles open there, to verse 24 and to verse 28. In verse 24... He said, therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he. Now, in your Bibles, um, in NIV, it says, I am the one I claim to be. And the one I claim to be is bracketed because it's not in the original language. In the New King James that I'm reading from, when he says, I am he, 
The pronoun he is italicized because that's not in the original language either. What Jesus literally says here is, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. The same thing happens down in verse 28. It says, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. Again, the word he is italicized. Jesus literally says, then you will know that I am. Now, there were two Greek words in the original language of the New Testament that are used to express the English, I am. And, and here are those two words. The one word is, is ego. It's, we get our English word ego, which means basically the, the, the one's personality or the center of who one is, okay? It's from that Greek word ego, meaning I am. And the second Greek word there is amy. Amy also means I am. These are both verb constructs that can express the same thing. What is interesting is when Jesus said I am, as it's recorded in the Greek language, he did not use the word ego, nor did he use the word amy. What he actually did was combine the two words. And so when Jesus said I am, he said ego amy. In the Greek language, he used a very unusual grammatical construct to communicate I am. In fact, literally, it almost sounds like Jesus is stuttering. He he wasn't. It almost sounds like he's redundant. He wasn't. But he literally is saying, I am, I am. Now, I'm going to read verse 24 and 28 again so you can hear the emphasis. In verse 24, literally, he says, therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am, I am, you will die in your sins. Again, it sounds unusual to our ears, but in John 8, 28, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am, I am, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. Okay. So now at this point, you're like, all right, Pastor G, thanks for the Greek grammar lesson. What does this have to do with anything? Well, it has everything to do with our topic at hand. I want you to leave the book of John for a moment. We'll come back to John chapter 8, but I'd like you to go with me now to Exodus chapter 3. And this is the Old Testament passage that is connected to all of these I am statements. When Jesus makes these I am statements to help us understand who he is and how he connects to humanity, it is directly connected to an event that happens in the book of Exodus. And so let me set this up from Exodus chapter 3, if you will turn your Bibles there with me. In Exodus chapter 3, here's the background. Moses was raised in an Egyptian home. He was raised as the grandson of Pharaoh. Uh, Moses, a Hebrew, uh, was put into a basket made of reeds by his mother. He was put out onto the Nile River in an attempt really to save his life because during this time, Pharaoh had issued an order that all the Hebrew baby boys should be killed upon being born. So they were practicing infanticide back then as well. Nothing much has changed, sadly. And in an attempt to save Moses from being killed, his mother put him in a reed basket, put him on the Nile River, and trusted the Lord to take care of him. And what the Lord ended up doing was bringing that reed basket into a place where Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket, saw Moses, 
took him out and took him back to the, to the court of the Pharaoh and raised him as her own. Uh, by the way, it's been said that Pharaoh's daughter was good with money because she went down to the bank of the Nile and withdrew a little profit. All right, that's your online joke for the day. So anyway, Moses gets raised in the court of Pharaoh, but as a Hebrew, he still has a heart for his Hebrew people. His Hebrew people have been enslaved for, for now almost 400 years in Egypt. And Moses is tormented when he sees the way that his fellow Hebrews are being treated as slaves. And on one occasion, many of you know the story, an Egyptian taskmaster is whipping one of the Hebrew slaves. And Moses intervenes, and Moses kills the Egyptian taskmaster, and then buries his body, hoping, thinking no one has seen. But then Moses runs for his life, because he realizes he just murdered this Egyptian, and so The Bible says that he flees to the backside of the Midian wilderness. Uh, He will, in the next 40 years, uh, find a wife, have a couple of sons, and God will begin to train him and prepare him for a bigger mission. Uh, Those 40 years, God was preparing his heart to be a shepherd. And God was going to call Moses to go back to Egypt and to be the prophet that God would use to lead the Hebrew slaves out of slavery in Egypt back to the promised land. And so in chapter 3 of Exodus, this is that occasion when God visits Moses and calls him to go back to Egypt. This is what we read out of Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. This is is that story of the burning bush. And so he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, which the bush, why the bush does not burn. And so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush, and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who were in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people to the children, the children of Israel out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you, God speaking, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, Then it says, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? All right, your attention again, 
God calls Moses to be the deliverer of the Hebrew people out of their slavery. Moses is being visited by God through this burning bush. And Moses has two questions of God. The first question is, how can I go? How can I do this? And he questions his own ability. That's a whole other Bible study, right? The second question he asks is, when I get there, who shall I say has sent me? What is your name, God? And God's going to answer that question. In Exodus 3, verse 14, it says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Now, let me connect that story back here with the Gospel of John. God identifies himself in the burning bush to Moses when Moses says, who shall I say has sent me? What is your name? God answers and he says, I am who I am. And I want you to tell them, I am has sent you to them. Now in the Old Testament, the original language is Hebrew. And when God spoke there saying, I am who I am, it is the Hebrew verb hayah. And hayah just basically means to be. And in Hebrew, it is just four letters, Y-H-W-H. And when we insert vowels to try to pronounce it, it is Yahweh. God is giving Moses his um, formal name. He's giving Moses his proper name. I am Yahweh. And Yahweh translates the self-existent one. Literally, God's name means he who is and always shall be. Now, as God identifies himself in this way, here's what's interesting. Around 200, 250 years before Christ, uh, scholars translated the Old Testament Hebrew into the Greek language so that it would be uh, able to be read by a more common language of the day. And when Greek scholars translated what God said there in Exodus 3 verse 14, identifying his name as I am, the Greeks put in that place, ego, ami. It's known as the Septuagint. The Old Testament in Greek is known as the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, when God identifies himself as the great I am, he uses the words ego, ami, the exact words that Jesus used in the Gospel of John when he made these great I am statements. Now, do you, do you get the connection here? In other words, when Jesus was saying in John chapter 8, you can go back to John chapter 8 now, every time Jesus said I am in these I am statements, he was using parallel language to the way that God, Yahweh, identified himself in Exodus chapter 3. So in other words, every time Jesus was saying, I am, he was saying, I am God. I am God. That's what he was saying. Now, go back here to John chapter 8, because I want to share with you one more story out of John chapter 8, which proves that what Jesus was actually doing was asserting his divinity. Every single time 
Jesus makes an I am statement. He is asserting his divinity that he is God. The Jews understood what he was saying because they were hearing through Jewish ears. Sometimes in our Western ears, we can't really understand what Jesus meant. But I want to show you out of John chapter 8, if you go back there now and look at verse 54 to 59, how we can see that the Jews clearly understood he was asserting his divinity. Here it is, John 8, verse 54. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, And was glad. And then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, notice, before Abraham was, I am. Verse 59 Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, two questions. One, when was it that Abraham saw Jesus? And two, why was it that the Jews were ready to stone Jesus for what he had just said? All right, answer to the first question. When was it that Abraham actually saw Jesus? Um, My answer is going to be the reason why I believe in Genesis chapter 14 that a guy who appears in Genesis 14 by the name of Melchizedek was actually an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Now, many of you already understand this, but for those of you who don't, don't think that Jesus suddenly and only appeared when he was born of a virgin uh, in the New Testament. Jesus is God. He has coexisted and is co-eternal and co-equal with God. And therefore, there are a few different times in the Old Testament before he was born of a virgin that God manifested in physical form Jesus manifested in physical form, and it's known as a Christophany. I believe that Genesis 14, when this guy Melchizedek appears to Abraham, that this was one of those occasions. It was a Christophany where Jesus appears to Abraham. Here's just a few reasons why real quickly. In Genesis 14, you can read later the story of Melchizedek. It tells us in Genesis 14 that Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Salem is from the Hebrew root word shalom. In other words, Melchizedek was the king of peace. His name, Melchizedek, is from two Hebrew words, melech, zedek. Melech means king, zedek means righteousness. His name, by definition, means king of righteousness. And the Bible tells us that he brought out bread and wine to Abraham, which are the communion elements, And it tells us that Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, gave a tenth of his income to Melchizedek. It tells us Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God. And check this out. I'll read to you from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, when the writer of Hebrews was talking about Melchizedek, it says in Hebrews 7, 3, that he was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, and he remains a priest continually. Open up, no, jump in and you'll find the cornerstones you'll 
So who is Jesus? That's a question Pastor Gary has been answering in this series. Jesus is the I Am. He's been telling you exactly who this Son of God is from the perspective of Jesus himself. Jesus told everyone his purpose through his actions, but also through the descriptions of himself. And not only was Jesus all these things when he was on earth, he still is everyone. He's the shepherd, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life. The Son of God lives today, having redeemed the world and defeated death. Today, Jesus can be your savior too. Would you like to know more? Or are you ready to give your life to Christ? Please feel free to reach out to us by calling 703-771-1500. That's 703-771-1500. We also want to invite you to join us for church at Cornerstone Chapel. We're meeting each Sunday in person at 8.30 and 11.45, as well as on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get all the information you need, along with directions to our campus. If you're not able to be with us in person, that's okay too. We do offer each service online as well. Again, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to connect. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for tuning in for Pastor Gary's message, and we hope you'll join us again to continue learning about Jesus. That's right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know